There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota. Toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more. ¿Qué tal amigos? Mi nombre es Roman Rojas y Tremenda Vaina es el podcast donde te contamos cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro historias solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? En el último episodio de Tremenda Vaina te contamos de un muchacho en China que vendió una parte de su cuerpo para comprarse un iPad. ¿Será verdad? ¿Será mentira? Suscríbete en iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify o tu plataforma favorita. También nos puedes seguir en Twitter, Instagram o Facebook. El mundo enfrenta una pandemia. Encuentre respuestas y acceda a información veraz y confirmada en el especial de NTN24 sobre coronavirus COVID-19. Escuche los contenidos de NTN24 en su plataforma de podcast favorita. Ok, guys. In the spirit of having our guest, who is Elaine de Valle, who's a casting director, actress, and director, I'm going to ask you guys what was your most awkward auditioning situation hmm. good question Jamie you first um, I went in for a Snickers commercial it was actually the one that had Joe Pesci in it uh, where the person turns to Joe Pesci uh, the two youths yeah yeah hey 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 I'm, I'm eating Snickers over here <laughs> um, so I, I go in and it's me and another person right so there's a I thought I, I did great with the actual line reading but there's a part Um, where the guy has to hand me the Snickers and he kept fumbling it and dropping it on the ground. Oh, oh man. God. So, like, we did it twice and he kept, he f dropped the Snickers on the ground <laughs> twice. And oh I was like, you, this kills any momentum any of us, both of us have in this commercial. So, um, I actually became Joe Pesci. Like, I was like, what the For fuck real? are you doing over here? Are you fucking, are you retarded or something over here? Tommy, get your shine back. Get your shine. <laughs> Give me the gun. Give me the gun. I'll shoot him. I'll shoot him. So I, I, didn't, get, I, didn't, I, I didn't get the commercial. Frank, um, I helped a friend of mine uh, casting of Bruno Mars music video, and we needed to get some young girls, maybe between like maybe 23 and 28 years old. And I was the one that had to get the, these girls in the lobby and bring them back to the, to the people that are looking at these girls. And we had women like 45, 50 years old. I was like, what the hell are these women doing here? <laughs> no. So that, that shocked me. Yeah, yeah, man. And they, they, had, uh, they had to look at them and they had to go through the whole process of dancing and whatever. And I'm just like, wow. I bet you they were locked out of heaven. Oh, yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yo, let me in here. Hello. Rachel. Mine was for a Carnival Cruise Line commercial that I forgot. Like, in the fine print, it said you had to come in a bathing suit. Oh, oh my God. So I was like, you guys, I really want to audition for this. Do you mind if I just do it in my bra and panties? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, were they sure. matching by the way? 
Probably not. I never met my Brian <laughs> That just became a, a completely different audition, right? It did. But I wear, you know, it's not like I wear Skin like... Max is down the hall, right? Exactly. Uh, I did it. I didn't get it, but I did it. <laughs> For me, uh, I think it was a couple years ago, and I was running late. Uh, the audition was in the summertime, and I had a run, so it wouldn't be late. And I literally get in there, and by the time I was auditioning, I was nervous and sweating. Jeez. And I, they probably thought I was on yeah, drugs. Buckets of water coming yeah, out. Yeah, I was just looking Ew. really like, yeah. So um, Like you stole something. Yeah, so I didn't. <laughs> but you booked so, it? No. Ah, <laughs> I thought it was going to flip there. Yeah, I, I got it, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. The Latinos Out Loud What's up? What it do? What it be like? What it is? Where you at? What you doing? How's your family? You know what I'm saying? Yes. We here. It's the Latinos Allowed Podcast episode number 33. 33 like Patrick Ewing. Oh, very impressive that you knew that. Okay, come on, man. Oh, wow. Wow. Next tape. Yeah. So Next here we are. <laughs> here we are. Hi, I'm Rachel Laloca. Hi, I'm Michael Diaz. Wow. I'm Frank Snapes. Bless you. Yes. Sorry, sorry, that was a big one. That <laughs> and, was a big uh, sneeze. <laughs> and here we are again. Uh, summer edition. Summer special. Yeah. Yeah. I love Bonus. the weather this time of year. Yeah. It's great, isn't right it? Right now is uh, August 16th. Yeah. Okay. And I love New York in August because it feels like the city's just yours. Because everyone's away. That's true. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. right. You're right about yeah. that. So, Rachel, August yeah. 16th. Let's mm-hmm. continue this game that we've been doing. So, we're in July right now, pre-recording. Yes. The show comes out August 16th. Yes. So, if I'm going to look into my crystal ball, I'm probably high on Percocet in the hospital. High on Percocet. Recovering Percocet. from Percocet. a C-section. Percocet. Um, but maybe holding my new bundle of joy. Yeah. Question. Uh, let's go back with DJ. Uh, let's go back. How did you? How did you become pregnant? <laughs> well, it was Thanksgiving, and I'll tell you, the turkey wasn't the only thing we got stuck. Hello, hello. Dun, dun, dun. Um, were you on Percocet with DJ? I was. Were you texting and communicating with people when you were high on Percocet? I was, and actually, my husband and I had the best time ever in the hospital. It was like the best four days of our relationship. <laughs> I was so high. We were laughing nonstop. It was really a great, great couple of days. Uh, Jamie, where are you right now? August 16th. What's going on with you? I'm probably, I probably have like a really weird looking sunburn from somewhere. Oh. Because I usually get like, like awkward looking sunburns on my on my you face, too. like and it, like you'll I'll have little blotches. It won't mm. even be like a full sunburn. I'll have like, I'll have a blotch around my eye. Wow. I'll have like you know some weird, pink, you know mass of whatever like on my You're chest. Very fair skin. I'm very fair skinned. The yeah. sun and me do not get along. Is this the Spaniard side of you? Yeah. Yeah, it has to be. It has you to get be like red, red. Although my mother, my brother's Puerto Rican, and she's light, she's light skinned as well. So. I just don't, I don't have any pigmentation in my I have a question for family. you men. If you tan with a beard and then you shave, do you have a beard tan? That's a good question. That's a good question. That's a good question. Have I, you never tried that? <laughs> now, <laughs> that you, now that you say it, <laughs> now that I know I'm pre-recording, 
Uh, I might try that. The I week would of. love to know what happens if you can. Okay. What about any, you when any, you go a couple of weeks without shaving your legs and you I get a tan? You what are you gonna, gonna do? Go somewhere with my body. <laughs> I knew you were gonna go somewhere. I had to. You set it up. No, no. The only thing I have done is like you ever like draw something with like oil or sunblock, <laughs> <laughs> and then you have like that. <laughs> like I've always done an R with sunblock like on my belly, and then you have the R like tan. I never know how much um, um, SPF to put though, because with me. Like it's like you know, my mother always used to be like, "Mira, yes, yeah, SPF 150," and then it's just like, <laughs> "Yo, what the?" She had just like a tub of it, and it just be like, "Yo," she just put it on, and like now I'm like, I don't know because I read an article like uh, SPF 30 and like SPF 50. There's not like a that big a difference, you know what mm. I mean? Yeah, like you're not really. It's not that serious a difference. So um, I don't know, but I do get paranoid. I'm like, how how much do I want? to SPF my body in you know what it's I mean true. do you ha- any of you have any SPF preferences I'm I'm more of baby oil and mirrors so word I don't care. I'm a tanner I do SPF negative 500 <laughs> although although Rachel we do share a memory of when the SPF oh, is really God. messed up when this the was, SPF effed us up this was uh, this was Miami. March 2010 in Miami oh, I remember that picture and Jesus you guys uh, look like our friend Jalissa has like some bootleg Anti-SPF. Oh, it, it was, was like, an, yeah, it was anti-SPF. We were probably drunk on Heineken because Heineken flew us out there. Yes. For an event. Well, you guys got drunk and just fell asleep? And well, we only had like two and a half days out there. See, those are, those type of trips are the most dangerous ones, right? Because it's, it's, Pre beach weather time, right. right? And we had one day, and it's and we're in Miami, so it's like it's like when you binge drink, right? right? right, right we right. were we were like binge tanning. Uh, so yes. Rachel yeah, was like, "Yo!" So then Jalissa was like, "Oh, you should try this out." And we were like, <laughs> "Fuck it, <laughs> yo!" We were like, Pfft. "I'm yeah. like, yo, putting it all over." What was it and called? Did it have like a like Insta tan? Like- <laughs> I think it was uh, something like uh, Copper Tone Cancer. If this, it, <laughs> If oh there, yeah, double C. If there's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. If there's a black market for for tanning oil, this was definitely it. Oh, this, this was illegal. It was like and band of soap. Yo, yeah, you're gonna yo, get burned. I'm looking for more of a darker brown market though. <laughs> Rachel, black market. I will never, yo, I will never forget, oh, yo. We were in so much pain. We definitely had like second or third degree burns on our bodies. You, you were. I, I felt like you went to. You had a. You were flirting with the idea of going to the doctor. That was yeah. how bad. It was when we came yeah. back. Yeah, wow. yo, like Wait, because- you were flirting with a doctor. What? <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> no, I was flirting with the idea, but then I was like, "Jew moment." I think I'm okay. I don't think I need to go pay anybody just to take. Yo, care I of could this. not move. Literally, were, I could not. Like, I was we done. Like lobsters. Because what happened was we got the tan, and then that night we had to do the event for Heineken. So the moment we were done with the Heineken event, we were like out. We didn't hang out or anything because it was just too much for us. I think every ten minutes I was like, "Mike, we need to go to a hospital." <laughs> wow. Like I know we need to make money. And do this event, and we were hired. To you know how something. it takes like twenty four hours for your tan to sink in. No, we were already black. <laughs> wow. You guys look. You guys look like you were dipped in chocolate. What? Yeah, you remember yeah, that? Because I, I had to go to an event with yeah, you. Yeah, and I saw you guys in a picture, and I was like, "What the hell?" And it was like, abnormal. It I look so much. Yeah, I look like I was black. You know how when they blackface, and then you get in trouble for that in Hollywood. <laughs> like I literally looked Yo, like I was trying to. Blackface. I remember we were um, interviewing Bomba Stereo. <laughs> 
Remember, you know, yeah. the Colombian group? Uh-huh. Fuego. Fuego. And the girl was talking. I didn't know what she was saying. I was just, I was wondering in my head if she felt the heat emitting from my skin. Wow. I was like, do you feel that, honey? Because I, Lisaura, I think her name is, I, I couldn't even understand what she, like, I understood what she was saying, but I wasn't, like, into it. I, I didn't out. sleep that night. Cold aloe vera? Did you do that? Yeah, we did everything. We had put to. That in the Emergency. Fr- Yo, put that in the fridge. It was so... <laughs> Wow, and just bad. like all, aloe vera wow. all day when I get I suffered like for I a never week. had sunburn on my eyebrows like everything is sunburn wow. my ears my eyebrows I shed like a snake like a few days later oh of course home, like literally a, a, a layer of my dermis was left you know usually people look at you and they get jealous of the tan cause you're like damn man you went away right no one no one was yo they were feeling bad for us they're like yeah dogs yeah I'll, yes. I'll wait for mine in June it's Sometimes all good Tans ma- too much tanning makes someone less attractive because it yes. goes it goes like I, I I've seen like in college I remember a girl I liked and then she came back and I was like wow this is like you look like you just you're this is like makeup like you know like you're camouflaging yourself or some shit you know what you're what looking like Magda from something about yeah. Mary that's not attractive all right. So once again, summer edition of LOL. Yay. We don't want you to be empty-handed, so we're going to supply you with a pochincha bite and yes. a fake news. So I think it's time now. You're welcome. Now. Exactly. So now it's time for some pochincha bite. I've been waiting all day. Aye. I've been waiting all night. I've been waiting all day. Pochincha. Bites. I've been waiting all day. I've been waiting all night. I've been waiting all day. Bites. How's it hanging? Hey. Hi, Jamie. Uh, what's going on? Um, so check it out. According to body language expert Tracy Brown, uh-huh. I don't who I don't personally know. That sounds like a fake name that you just came up with because you couldn't find the source. Tracy Brown. Well, we're talking about tanning, so maybe I did. I just made it up like ten seconds ago. No, this is real. She's a body language expert. Um, and according to her, your Instagram poses could reveal a lot about you as what? a person. What? Yes. Oh, Rachel, uh, tune in here. You take a lot of selfies. Let's hear uh, how this happens. Yeah. Okay. These poses, everybody's doing very specific poses lately, and they they tell you know. And now I'm not just talking about the booty pics, right? Because oh. I think we know what that reveals. That's true. What? I was hoping you would know. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> That's true. You're right. Okay, so let's start. One pose she um she was talking about is called the 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 plan the plan dade poser. The plan. Well, I wrote Excuse this down me? and I can't even read what I wrote. <laughs> the plan. <laughs> Yeah, so, so anyway, basically the pose is a very artfully arranged shot that makes it look like um you've accidentally been snapped. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're pretending that just, like, someone just decided to take a picture of you oh, without you knowing. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you just took a picture of right. me it's wearing a prize my... picture. Yeah, like, I just happen to be wearing stylish glasses, reading a, a, a book that's, like, way too smart for me. Oh, you know I see I mean? a lot of women doing that. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, you just took a picture of me, you know, like... I hate that. I mean, is, does this count? Or with the one where it's, like, they're sleeping, they're but, sleeping. They have make, but they have perfectly... The makeup, makeup is on perfect. But how are you taking a selfie if you're sleeping? Exactly. You know what I mean? And they're wearing, like, a new sleeping. bikini. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you just caught me, or, like, waking up, and it's all like, oh, my God, 
yeah, you just call me waking up. Right. And I look cute. And I'm like, yeah, I look crazy cute when I sleep. You know? How is your like, little labradoodle in your armpit, perfectly positioned, and you're sleeping? Who's taking the picture? A drone? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so um, a lot of these pics are meant obviously to highlight people's best areas people do this because when they can pretend they're not getting that they don't know that a picture is being taken of them they can just they can go to their best shots like oh, oh this everybody is- has to know their angle yeah so you're yeah. doing you're showing your best angle but you're trying to do it in a, in a slick way yeah right. um, yes, yes, yes. so yeah th- what this is telling about people is that they want to heighten the sexual attraction you're doing it on purpose you want people to be why are you looking aroused. at me directly in my eyes uh, <laughs> while you're explaining yeah, that I'm like Mike does take a lot of pics where like he tries to pretend oh I didn't know there was a camera here <laughs> In, in the urine, in the urinal. I'm like, you obviously took that picture of yourself, Mike, in the urinal. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, another pose called it's called the Bambi pose. The Bambi, I think. Oh, what's one. that? You posing like a little Bambi in the woods, you know, <laughs> little innocent little deer, sexy deer, you know, make a brother want to hunt. Mm. Uh, uh, can we cut that last part? What I just said there. Uh, <laughs> but it is. It's a. Uh, it's an innocent. Like it's when you kneel on your folded legs way. You know, the Kardashians do it a lot. I think they probably yes. invented it. Um, so this pose means you want to look cute and childlike Uh, with your legs where I'm chill with that childlike shit with me I'm like no take the pigtails and the Catholic schoolgirl outfit off cause that that doesn't turn me on alright there are some freaks out there Jamie yeah I mean there's freaks I I think that's I do have a pose I hate that that? girls take the one that they lay on their stomach and then they take the picture and they, they show the back of the ass like uh-huh you hate that, you hate that i love it i love it but i think it's like so played out it's like really like yeah yo girl yo put you know some clothes think, on you that's played out really delve into this topic yeah you know what i can't stand yes when they take their snapchat filter pics and post them on instagram yeah. um, it's like bitch you don't look like that mm-hmm. the, in, the snapchat filter made your eyes like three times bigger it put eye makeup and lashes yeah true. and you have a halo around your head and those aren't real glasses girl you know what i'm saying and we know you don't have freckles either that's true <laughs> i've seen some girls that you know i see them on on instagram and i see them off instagram and it's like like some bitches have their entire Instagram feed That's of true. these Snapchat yeah. filters. I would do they go to the plastic surgeons and bring a picture of the Snapchat filter. <laughs> Make me look like this. Yes. Could you give me this like floral headband permanently on my head too? <laughs> Cause it looks really good on me. Sometimes it's I, it's freaky when you do like the guys do like the lipstick one. Yeah. Cause I'm like, damn man, Again, you look good why like are you this. looking at Oh man, you look alright, man. No, no, it's like no, why I look good with lipstick this is weird yeah, yeah. I'm turning myself the off the one no that one? I no. can't stand and I I, I did um, I made fun of uh, Yenny Love oh. is oh. the mute video selfie oh yeah where you're not saying anything yes. oh, I and don't like you that. do it like it's like 10 Lip seconds lips. and it's just like yo yeah. but Jenny gets mad hits so it doesn't matter whether it's yeah, sound I think or not that's, man yeah. Yeah, people like you you be freaking liking it all the time yeah, exactly. yo keep uploading them Yenny I love them Shout out to Yenny Love. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to mute, though, because it makes, if once you unmute, it's like, oh, no. She also works in a dentist's office, so I don't know if we want to hear the background. Like, people, ah! You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, Yenny's cool, but I mean, anyone else, like, you know, definitely the, the ones that don't know when to mute, they're just like, yo, what's up? I want to say what's up to my girl. I'm like, mute, 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 mute. Yeah. Um, 
Also, one last thing that she mentioned the uh, of a pose, the straddle. Straddle. Uh, and this is like the beach pose of the summer. Uh, it's kneeling with your legs slightly apart and your chest is pushed outwards. Oh. So it's like sexy man spreading. Okay. Um, but this is all about illusion, this, this pose, because... You straighten your back, it looks like it, fl- it flattens your stomach. It makes you and look like you're you a flat a big stomach. Butt. Yeah, and while you're thrusting, and then when you thrust your chest in the air, it makes it look like you got big boobs. Oh. So it's an illusion that you can do, you know, by by yourself. You don't need any. Is there like a male version of this? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition actually brought that to life. You know, that's yeah. where girls get it from. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. So, All ladies, those beach poses. ladies, you don't have to close your legs now. It's it's. Uh, it's open leg season because mm-hmm. that's part of the pose. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Not, oh, Mike's looking at me like I'm a pervert. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're going to have to edit this out. I'm a straight pervert. Uh, we're going to get uh, no, the straddle. DMs. It's the straddle pose. A lot, it's about opening your legs. So okay. wow. I hope I gave you some good uh, J-Lo Instagram. J-Lo does that a lot too. Uh, yeah. J-Lo's pretty good. J-Lo recently put out a pic. Well, recently, this is August. So in July, during her birthday week, she had a pic of her in the gym. And it must have been very cold in that gym. Because the nipples were out Ow. and about. J-Lo. Yo, I know. Good. I'm like, J-Lo, you know, she come on. Hey, you know yo, your nipples yo, are she like. Look good. She J-Lo's look what, 47 now? 49. She look, 49. Yeah. She look good. She look correct. 49? Yo, she look good. Damn, J- you got to give it to J-Lo. Yes. She looks Definitely. so good for 49. Love her. And she doesn't need like a pose, right? No. She, J-Lo can just stand there, you know, and pout. Maybe she's a little pout. Jamie, she does I, I've never asked you this, like hypothetically, but now we're here on the podcast. If yeah, was, my favorite movie is Selena. Yeah, <laughs> so is mine. If you were single, and Jada was single, would you date her? Like right now? Why like, not? Serious? That's but that's not like you're asking like, like it's like a tough. No, question. because she's like, like she's like, like, yo, like put the Jeopardy music on, Jamie. <laughs> no, because she's like, think about this. But no, would let you date her if you had that opportunity. No, because she's yeah. at least ten years old. She's she's like at least ten years older than you. So I'm just saying. I mean, no. She gets I mean, a lot of attention and everything, you know? Uh, Yeah, no. I mean, she still, she knows how to maintain herself. Like, she'll probably look like that at 60, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, look, you know, uh, look at, like, Dame Helen Murin. The actress. <laughs> yeah, she's got great boobs. Helen Mirren, yeah. Helen oh, Mirren yeah, yeah. looked good until she was like, I mean, she still looked good, but now she's like in her 70s. But even she's in her 60s, I would have been like, I'd hit Helen Mirren. Yeah. I hit that off. You get it. <laughs> See, you got me into a whole like rabbit hole of like o- older actresses I would have sex with. We don't want to get into <laughs> that right Cher. now. Share? Hmm. Nah, nah, nah. I saw oh, Mamma Mia too. Nah, nah. <laughs> oh. All right, on that note, I think it's time for some fake news. <laughs> Live from La Gran Manzana, it's Frank Spirison News with Frank Nibs. Hello, folks. Hey, Frank. Uh, Hi, Frank. How are we? We're good. That's great. We're tanning right now. We're tanning. Well, guys. Hopefully, we're not an alternate reality because last week... Yeah, you're scaring us. Parallel universe. Parallel universe. No, we're gonna bring this. This. There's this. a Jamie Nibs out there. Go ahead. No, we're gonna bring this to the present right now. Okay. Ooh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna talk about the Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, okay. right. is, right. is that like a font? This is this is something <laughs> is that that's an Courier new Cambridge Vodafica. This is this <laughs> is this is something that we're dealing right now as a nation right now. Mm. So let me explain to you guys what Cambridge Analytica is. Cambridge Analytica is a company. It's a British company, right? And they ran all of President Trump's uh, digital campaign. Okay, they have and they broke uh, election laws. 
executives at the firm were secretly filmed saying they, quote unquote, leave no paper trails. The four-month investigation revealed how this firm used misinformation online to manipulate voters and secretly intervening in the democratic process. The company CEO, Alexander Nix, has publicly stated that his company dealt with all the data and all the analytics and all the targeting when it came to actually doing all the social media branding for Trump. Very hands-on. Yes. Yes. Um, Facebook was fined almost a million dollars in the UK and in the United States. So this is a question I'm going to ask you guys. How do you guys feel about Trump perhaps winning the presidency by using all this uh, manipulating social media? They used all the data that, well, by the way, I'm going to tell you guys how they use this. They use this by looking at your profile and looking at your friend's profile and your friend's friend's profiles. Okay, and by that they get a almost a profile of what you would vote for, know your politics behind you, your religion, so on and so forth. And then what what do they do with that information? They mine that information and they take information like ads and they send them to you and they manipulate you into to sway you into voting for Trump. Bam. I feel like this happened in this season's house of last season's house of cards. <laughs> they did that. They did a whole like they they had him win. Kevin Spacey, RIP. Mm. Uh, oh, shit. But mm. they had him, his his character win by, because they, they were frauding, they had people online and they got all these fake votes from online. You know how they, you know how they, another way they do it? By personal quizzes. You ever do personal quizzes online? All the time. I love that okay, shit. Okay, that's, that's one way that they use it, okay? Um, another Wait, thing. like the Sex in the City quiz made like me vote quizzes. for somebody? Yeah, yeah, yeah all I didn't vote for Trump. They pick up a lot of stuff on I'm you. I'm Samantha you do... and I'm also a Trump supporter. Another thing. <laughs> so, Zuckerberg lost a few, uh, up to a billion dollars they say folks a lot of people got off of Facebook after this happened okay Uh, Trump's uh, social media strategist was on the actual board of Cambridge Analytica so that's another thing that you know raised a huge red flag okay Mm. Um, they had access to 50 million users okay wow All right. Um, uh, Rachel was one of them Steve Bannon was also involved I don't know if you guys remember Steve Bannon oh yeah yeah Right, he He's was like, involved. He looks like death. There you go. Mm. Now, there was a whistleblower at uh, uh, Cambridge Analytica. His name is Christopher Wiley. Is the company's main whistleblower, and he has said he spent the company spent billions on harvesting millions of Facebook profiles, and said you're playing with the psychology of an entire nation when you did this. Mm. Frank, I hate, question I whistle, for you. I hate yes. whistleblowers, by the way. Yes. Why? Put your whistle away. It's too loud. <laughs> Jamie, that that's not what, what it means. About. Yeah, sorry. That the, that's my Instagram girl that needs to be. Frank, are they still doing it now? Yes, they look at your likes. Okay, they look. They even look up to. You. They even look into your private messages. Ah, uh, um, no, I'm okay. okay with that. Nothing. You okay with that? Yeah. Nothing. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, went in front of the. Uh, I believe it was the Senate, and they questioned him. The Congress. Yes. Yes. The Congress was it? Okay, and um, the uh, the CEO Alexander Nix, the Cambridge Analytica. Um, analyst was also in the UK. I think the same thing they did to Zuckerberg, they did that to him over there. So this is something that uh, us as technology keeps on, you know, getting better and better. It's there's good things about it, and now we're realizing that there's not so. So good what you're saying it. with the fake news this week is that they talk about 
the other stuff, collusion, all that. You're saying is the real truth behind all of it is that the that company manipulated a bunch of people yes. on Facebook yes. for Trump to win. Yes, and if anyone out there wants to do more information, just put up Cambridge Analytica. You can either put this guy's name right afterward, Christopher Wiley, and he was the main whistleblower, but it gets more in-depth. There's a lot of documentaries on it. People are even saying that the Russians, all the hackers maybe were with these companies and they had even more access to stuff and now we're even I mean now the stuff with Trump now there's even more questions so this is just something that you guys have to kind of open your eyes so to so in conclusion back to MySpace <laughs> listen we just have to be a bit more careful how we you know I mean people saw when, when the president was going on with Trump and all this stuff and we see all these memes coming continue, you saw the arguing amongst family members and friends yes. and I'm gonna take you off my Facebook cause you said mm-hmm. so these people were picking up information on us while we were going back and forth with each other mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say so you want us to look up this this uh, what is it called again? Cambridge Analytica so you want us to go online after telling us that <laughs> while we were online people took our <laughs> people took all our personal material I don't know if that's the best I'm just thing. letting you guys know that the democratic process is being threatened by Facebook and Twitter and IG and all these things, you know what I mean? IG? Yes. So advertisers use this information. Right. It's advertisers and politicians now are using it also. So Mm. why is it okay for advertisers and not other sectors? You know what I mean? You have a great point. So I mean, I don't mind it so much because I don't really mind the behavioral targeting that advertisers do. Mm -hmm. It's not a coincidence that, like, you know, I'll be looking for shoes on my Internet Explorer and then I see a million ads for DSW Shoe Warehouse on Facebook the next day. I don't mind it so much because it's really it's a smart way of advertising. I I still get a lot of penis enlargement um, ads. (laughs) I'm like, um, why? I don't know. What what am I searching for that is making them assume those are Google search? <laughs> but it, Yo, yeah. that's a that's like I mean think about it that's that's in depth like it's just the way we live today. Mira, nothing Trump does surprises me anymore. For real. We put out so much information just by simply like simply doing what we do on our leisure time right. on social media. We're giving so much information exactly. out there. Willingly. Yeah. That's why I still have an AOL account because no one's on AOL. No one's, <laughs> no one's searching but for AOL. You don't get a lot of junk AOL. mail. You get a lot of junk I, mail. All my junk mail goes to AOL, but I have like, yeah, I have crazy junk mail. I have everything. Like, I mean... So I'm, you, you know, still, I want, by the way, do you still get promoters like from back back in the day? Oh my god! I, I still get Everybody, promoters. I still yo. get like my grammar school emails from there. <laughs> <laughs> like my third grade teacher's still like, "Hey, Jamie, how you doing?" How's it been? <laughs> but if one day I go to AOL and I hear the Trump voice going, "You got mail?" <laughs> like, Yo, they hacked this thing too. Nothing's safe. Uh, well, thank you so much. Thanks, for you're welcome, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet, too. You get arrested and incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking, designate a sober driver, or call a taxi. If someone you know has been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. 
We all know the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, you guys, this is the part of the show where we introduce a fabulous guest. And guess what? She's fabulous. I mean, we're not here to disappoint at all. She is filmmaker extraordinaire Elaine Del Valle. Welcome. 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 Thank you. What a reception. Wow. We're very excited to have you, Elaine. You're very loud Latinos. This is Latinos out loud, Elaine. (laughs) It's like the verbal confetti comes out, you know. We get real crazy. Feel free to turn up if you want. Okay. (laughs) Go back. Go back. She's like, okay. Elaine, we have been wanting to have you on the Latinos Out Loud podcast. We know your career. We know you. I think we've all known each other for years. Yes. Right? Yes. So to have you here, I know this is going to be a very enlightening episode. Um, We like to inspire. We like to move people forward while making them laugh. So you fit that criteria perfectly. Would you just tell people a little bit about what you do? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we only have a few minutes. I yes, know there's a yes, lot to yes. do and say here. Can you summarize I, just a synopsis? your life in one you know. word? One word. Okay. <laughs> I just like to think of myself as a, an all-around filmmaker. So I started my career as an actress working in front of the camera. And I got frustrated at the roles that were available to Latinos for myself. And I decided to start writing And I wrote a play that landed off Broadway and it really changed the trajectory of my career in that it made me understand how powerful it is to create your own work. And so from that, I just decided I was going to start producing and and writing more and finally directing. And and I got offered a, a job as a casting director. And I took it. And it was just somebody came to my play who was a producer of a commercial that I had been in on camera. And he said to me, I want to hire you every day, mm-hmm. but I can't hire you as an actress every day. What else do you do? And I just said, what do you need? <laughs> and he said, uh, do you cast? And I said, you know, I've been in every casting office in New York. I can definitely, I know what that is. I know what a good experience is and I know what a bad one is and I can try it. And it's been nine years now that I've been, uh, You've been casting. casting. Nine years. Yes. Nice. Yeah, wow. and I cast feature films now, television series, a lot, a lot of commercials, wow. which I love doing, voiceovers, animated series. I just, anything that comes my way, I just I I swallow it up because I really enjoy giving actors work, making those opportunities for them, also getting to know who's what, where now people ask me, I was just um, talking to Alan Alfaro, who I know Jamie has Alan. a relationship with. Shout out yes. to Alan. Yeah. Love He's Alan. a director here in New York, and um, and I've produced his films before, and uh, I'm going to be casting, or I am casting his next film. And he said to me, okay, so here are the characters. What do you think? I said, well, I don't think we need a casting for this because I've done these castings before, like exactly this type female, exactly this type male. Let me put some stuff together, send it to you, and you tell me who you like. Wow, so you have like an arsenal of like people that you just, in your mental Rolodex. Not just mental, but also I go back to the tape. Ah. So I keep all my 
everything that I cast, I keep everything. Oh. So like I had a. a yeah, they have videos now, Rachel. But yeah. you, can, <laughs> no, but like, you don't have to just remember everything. But I keep know? them in a cloud. Videos. <laughs> yes. Is that something like on eight track or something? <laughs> but in case it goes down offline, she can go to her mental Rolodex as a well, backup. I'm just saying, is that I'd like to learn more about the casting process through this yes. interview. Actually, it's very we, interesting. We've been on the other. We're are, we are on the other side of it, right? Yeah. Constantly, and mm-hmm. I'd like to know more about it. So, like, okay, please explain. So, you have this arsenal of like video content and people that you've seen before, yes. and you just connect the dots. Like, how does that work? Yeah. So this these particular roles were young, twenty uh, something Latino male, and he had to have a driver's license. He had to drive and. He had to be a New Yorker, and the female was a young 20-year-old Latina, and there are only so many in New York, Mm. you know, and I feel like I've been doing this for nine years. My niche is Latino ethnic casting, and if I don't know you as an actor in New York and you meet the Latino criteria, then I don't think you're doing a good job as an actor if I don't know you, Mm -hmm. because you have to be self-submitting, you have to be, well... I, I put everything that I have as a casting director, well, not everything, but 99% of the work that I get, I put it out not just to agents and managers, but I also put it out to actors who are on like Actors Access or Casting Networks or Casting Frontier, because I want to help the people and know the people who are representing themselves because those agents are not doing that for them or maybe they're not interested in them it took me years to get a legit agent as an actress Mm. years it wasn't until my off-broadway show was super successful that i even got the attention of a legit agent everybody else everybody was just oh no no because i didn't look like the latina that they want to hire you know i didn't look i didn't look the ghetto that i grew up and that's what they were looking for when they represented the Latinas. That's that's what I felt anyway. And I'm not sure if I f- still feel that way because I know that there's lots of great reps out there uh, representing a, a, a vast array of, of Latinos and how they look. But, um, yeah, I just want to put it out there to everybody to have the opportunity. And today I was I cast a... Uh, three different commercials for the Discovery Channel. Awesome. And uh, so I, I I said to the director, you know, we can see like 60 to 80 people a day and I could hold three days of casting or we can put it out what we call eco-cast, which is economical casting. I send out a, a self-tape request to the actors and the agents for those actors, and they submit or they don't submit. It's up to them, but they never have to leave the comfort of their own home. They can do it on a cell phone, right. and they can submit, and guess what? The tapes were so good that we don't even have to see everyone on callback. We're only seeing like a couple of kids, two people for like the bigger role Mm -hmm. and everyone else were like you know what we'll let the client decide here's the two it was so good and 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 i got to present like 600 people to the client so is that where you feel the like future of casting is headed like where it's just going to be everybody do your stuff at home and then submit or like what is the difference that you've seen between like in-person auditioning and these uh, eco-casts? So most casting directors hate eco-cast because Ah. it it really, um, they're not making money if they're not holding in 
well, I'm still making money at it, just not as much because I'm doing it from the comfort of my own home. Mm. So they're not making as much money. So a lot of casting directors, they speak terribly about EcoCast. But I come from an acting background. So for me, an EcoCast, I feel like it's tremendous for any actor trying to represent themselves, trying to grow. All you have to do is have a Google YouTube and and um, and, and look at what self-tapes are like, create a good one. And most of these actors now, they have that blue screen behind them. It costs $30 on the internet. They do it with the iPhone. And, and they do a good job at it. I just feel like I, as an actor, I'm still an actor today. I still act. I'm in the center. By the way, first season, check it out. (laughs) Emmy nominated show listener. Yes. Um, But um, I got that. I was in LA. Actually, I saw you there, Juan Bago. Last uh, last summer? Yeah, the last Nalip. Yes. Right. So I was in LA. My agent called me up and said they want to see you in the room. And I said, oh, I'm I'm in LA right now for, for Nalip. And... They said, okay, send the self-tape. In my hotel room, I self-taped, and I booked it. And I didn't need a call back or anything like that. So when when a director says to me, oh, you know what? We may not see all the best people in this way if we do the eco-cast. I said, no, the What's going to prevent you from seeing the people is the fact that it's, you know, if it's non-union or what you're paying. Okay, so those are the things. Other than that, I'm being seen for major market series, feature films. People want to see a self-tape from actors, and there are tons of stories how people get booked. Yeah, there's a technique behind self-tape auditions, though, yes. too. Yes, I've been thinking, I just bought a whiteboard because I'm going to like make a little film to show people how to self-tape. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, we actually took, you didn't take Gary's class yet, right? Nah. We took a class, Gary Perez, shout yes. out to him. Oh, um, Gary. Yeah, he... He really God, teaches, it's been a while. Teaches a fantastic class. He's awesome. About He's intense, camera. but awesome in the same Very time. Very intense. I agree with that. He's so, always been very intense as an actor. Such a smart man, though. Yeah, very really good actor. Really shared some good techniques for on-camera auditioning. So you said you've been doing casting director for nine years now. Yes. How's it, how, are, the perception is now there are more roles on television in New York City. From a casting director's point of view, is that true? Are you seeing an increase of roles, or is it still... I mean, they're, they're always going to say there's still room for more, but where do you see it? Where well, right just understand who you're talking to mm-hmm. is that when they're looking for Latino or ethnic, usually when I'm getting a new client, it's because they found me on the internet that I'm the Latino ethnic, mm-hmm. and that's my niche. Mm-hmm. So I'm always going to find... That work finds me all the time, so mm-hmm. I'm always doing that work. Um, however, for commercials, if there's a big cast they always want to see multi-ethnic and even if it's something like they were looking for a Jason Bateman type and they said okay so we're willing to see the Latino Jason Bateman the mm. black Jason Bateman okay great there's a black Jason Bateman yeah there are there <laughs> are and I know Jason them all <laughs> yo I'm looking for an Asian Woody Harrelson we want like a black teen wolf type <laughs> <laughs> oh. yes um, so okay going back 
the show that you were talking about that was successful off Broadway. This is yes. Brownsville Bread. I Brownsville assume. Bread. Yes. Let's talk about that because I saw that show. Oh, it was amazing. One woman show based on your experience growing up in Brownsville. You talked about a lot of topics. Yes. Some controversial. Some you know just deep rooted in your family upbringing. So you're not doing that show anymore, or like is it tucked away somewhere? I love that show. I could still say the show word for word 90 minutes just me I could say it word for word and at night when I can't sleep I actually start reciting the show to myself oh. and I'm I'm always done and even when I was doing the show that's how I would go to sleep And but I would um, every time I fell asleep at that part I would wake up and remember where I was at and then continue the show. That's commitment. So, yeah, well, you have to because if you, you're doing a 90-minute show on your own, if you mess up a line, you really... You can't look at the other actor and be like... Yeah, why why was I... And it really, it it really flows. The dialogue really flows. So, that was commitment. But I love that show. I am still committed to that show in that um, I'm committed to making it into something other than just a stage play. Mm -hmm. So I would absolutely do this stage play again. And people say to me, would you do it? Would you come to my club and do it for my people? I'm like, you have to understand, for me to gear up for that show once, I may as well do it 30, 50, 100 times. It doesn't matter. It's the same amount of work to do it once. Mm -hmm. So um, I've thought about bringing it to Miami Beach, to the Lincoln Road Theater there, where Carmen Paleas is going to be doing her show, I think, uh, I'm not sure if it's a new show or if it's rum and coke um, in 2019, but um, she's inspiring to know that she got it there. And ideally, I would want to be at like the Adrian Arsh has a has a small theater, and it's a subscription audience. So I really want to be at a subscription audience because the hustle of getting people in the seat is really hard for a one woman show. Even though I was successful at it, but it's just more work that. You know, I'd rather just focus on the work at hand rather than having to to deal with all the production stuff. If, if somebody um, if somebody went into an audition uh, doing a monologue from Brownsville Bread, would you be like, I know you suck enough right now, but <laughs> but I like your style. You're hired. You know what I, mean? I wrote those words and I love them. So you did you got your the research. Job. I've actually been contacted by students, uh, yeah. acting students, who said please may I have your monologue to do and yeah. I've always given them several monologues oh, from man, the show awesome. to do it yes that's such an honor mm-hmm. and I, I still use it's so easy for me to mm-hmm. um, to use those monologues for myself because I can I've done it so many times it just feels it feels really easy for me to just get right back into it mm-hmm. um, let's just talk about those first few times that you perform the show oh, man. Okay. like how did you get past those emotional moments? Did you have moments yourself or did you keep it strictly like the show must go on? I'm going to fight these tears. Like, how did you feel those first couple of shows? Oh, you know, so if you're bringing it like that, like the first couple of times that I performed it, mm-hmm. I actually developed the show while I was studying acting professional studies um, at Carnegie Hall 
under the tutelage of Wynn Handman. So um, I had been studying with him for about three years, and he would assign us scenes and scene partners, and we were there three days a week, but then we would have to rehearse in between with our fellow actors. And when we came back from one hiatus in the third year, um, he would take off for the summer. But when we came back, it was like, okay, everybody just do a monologue unless you pair up you know, yourself with whatever you want. So um, I had started a writer's group that summer with my acting class because we were so used to working so hard, uh, so diligently on, on acting that we decided, you know what, let's just start a writer's group. And that's where I actually began writing Brownsville Bread. And I didn't know what it was. Originally, I thought it was a book on tape. Mm. And then... I start when we got back from hiatus in class, I started doing some Shakespearean monologues and I was like, oh, cool. I don't have to come in into the city every other day to rehearse with my scene partner as well as go to class. So I was kind of like feeling like, yay, (laughs) relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was done doing a couple of monologues, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put something on its feet that I've been kind of working on. I didn't think it was going to be anything. But then when... After I had done it, he just said, you must keep writing this. And when you hear those words for, from someone who is so knowledgeable, who, who's so talented, and, and really, I, I had watched him shoot down a ton of people trying to create shows and be in his class. Mm. So I never expected it. I just wanted another week off of, of, <laughs> of having to come in so many times a week. Mike usually gets the opposite. They're like, you must stop writing this. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the drawing board, Yeah, Mike. dude. No, just this is not worth it, it. You know, end it on act, after act one. It's good. <laughs> I'm doing the Cancerian uh, silent treatment with you. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong. Okay. Yes, he's getting silent and then taking <laughs> yeah. his revenge. He's giving me the eyes right now. Okay. <laughs> well, how was that first time performing it in, in front of a, an audience? An audience, yeah. So... Because it was my class, I trust those people so much, and I know that they know good work, and if I failed, I have failed in front of them so many times that it really was a real great safety net. So performing it in front of them, I just felt very free to just work on what I was working on. It was really nothing. But then performing it in front of a stranger audience which was at a festival the first time I oh man my knees were knocking my teeth were chattering (laughs) I was so nervous but then it it just went away as soon as I took stage all that all whatever whatever body reaction I was having was not outward Mm -hmm. and so um I just relaxed into it and and once you hear the first laugh you just feel so great, which you guys know. I mean, you guys get laughs all the time. Yeah. It's, but Except any time Jamie wrote a sketch. All right. He boomeranged the bag. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure on the actor, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I want to talk about all your projects, but I know that's impossible. Let's talk about Grandpa Knows Best. Okay, okay. Because okay. that's pretty recent. Yes. So where did the inspiration for that project come from? Okay, so Grandpa Knows Best. Um, so I had started producing quite a bit of work after Brownsville Bread. I started producing film work. And I started producing it mostly for Latino um, actors or writers that wanted to 
do more work on screen. So really independent, low-budget stuff. And I loved helping people, but after a while, I started to not be thrilled at the outcome, Mm -hmm. at the final product. And I started to understand that I really needed to control that a little bit more. And I couldn't write at the rate or I wasn't like hitting it out of the park every time I wrote a script that I was so ready to write, direct and produce it. However, I had my eyes open to people that I absolutely knew were so talented. And I would like follow them and try to understand how we could work together. And one day uh, I was a judge at a festival And I saw this film, and it was called How You Doing Boy Voicemails from Grandpa. And I just loved it. I just thought it was so sweet and different. And and then I saw that it was from a Latino filmmaker, so I found him on Facebook. And I was like, dude, this is who I am. Uh, Come see my show. He was like, this is who I am. Here's a documentary about my, about my, my, uh, my parents and my grandparents. And I said... Look, I make a web series. At the time, I had been writing, producing, and directing the web series Reasons Why mm-hmm. I'm Single, which is on Amazon Prime. Reasons, the letter Y, I'm single. Hey. And <laughs> that was, I, I like that. That, that was, hey. yes. So it was just like the first thing that I really produced and directed. And I felt like I had a lot of success from it considering where it came from like nowhere and so um anyway so i reached out to the filmmaker i said this is what i'm doing web series and let's try to make something out of this movie and so we created this web series and thanks to brownsville bread i had um i had made somewhat of of a I don't want to call her my fan because that's that would be honoring me too much. But I had piqued the interest of Lucinda Martinez at HBO. HBO Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she had seen uh, one scene of my show during the multicultural media forum where I was named trendsetter. They let me do the first scene of my show. And she was like, you know, keep me informed. Here's my card. So as soon as we did um, Grandpa Knows Best as a web series, I showed it to her immediately. Like, I just sent her an email, and she was like, you know what, this is really good. Let me kick it up to L.A. and see what they say, which is what she said about reasons why I'm single, but then I didn't hear from her again mm-hmm. about reasons why. So I just let it go back then. But now that I was here with um, Grandpa, I said, you know, I know you say kick it up to L.A. I respect to kick it up to them, but let me tell you how I see it. Because I see that this should be like, the gecko of Geico is grandpa for HBO Latino, and that's where I see it. So um, really quickly, we started the conversation, and within six months of that conversation, we were airing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I binged, and, and, and I love it. I, and I think that's, the talent is, is it has a soul. Like, you literally can binge through all of them, but it's got a heart, and it's really warm, and as a Latino, you feel it, and, and it was really awesome. And, and I, I, I'm very thankful for having something like that on HBO Latino, because it's, it's really a beautiful project. Yeah, I think now you can see the latest episode, which was actually at Sundance as a short film. It's called Victor and Isolina. Okay. And uh, although I think they they put it out as victory in Isolina, but I know. it's not. <laughs> oh Come on. Come on, HBO On Demand. I don't know. I, I saw that somewhere. I was like, okay. But um, I didn't care to, to change it. It's fine. It is a victory. It and is it's a, a very sweet film, and, and it won a lot of awards. And uh, yeah, and, and I'm actually um, casting the next film by that uh, same director, William David Caballero. Cool. Uh, it's called Hummingbirds, and it's a, it's a really sweet film. It's his first um, narrative. Nice. So Grandpa, he didn't write because it was a docu. 
Okay. And what was the inspiration for your web series? Because I also enjoyed your web series as well. Thank you. What was your inspiration for that? Reasons why I'm single. I got together with, um, well, everybody would ask me, you know, you're so happily married. What's the secret? Mm -hmm. And I would just say, well, I feel like when people are single, I can actually tell them why they're single. So <laughs> that's not what my secret is. It's like I don't know. <laughs> so so I just created these characters based on people that I know. Like my I, I act in it as well. My character is this Latina with a big chip on her shoulder, and you know we all know people like that. Certainly. It's like everything is about because I'm Latino because I'm like, and um, and I just find that true sometimes and really hilarious sometimes and really off-putting and it was just something that I could really um, write about so so that was my character and then I I wrote it with um, someone else who was in my Win Handman acting class Holly Barker mm-hmm. and uh, she plays the she's the redhead in there and uh, and we just played on her how demure she is and I mean she's a brilliant woman but she's like kind of quiet and and people can take advantage of that so we just explore that a little bit more and you know the obsessive person who's like obsessing about everything so those were the three characters and it was just like short and sweet and like sex in the city meets curb your enthusiasm Mm -hmm. in a you know new york crazy way and now what about me 3.769. 3.769. Oh. oh, I thought, Rachel, you were going to be like, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How we going to work together? I, I, I say that every day in the mirror, but not right now. Uh, this is a different kind of narrative? This right? actually is super exciting for me. Okay. Because, okay, so... Um, I know I directed Reasons Why I'm Single, but it was by default because I couldn't find a director that wanted to direct oh. it. Um, so I never really thought about the directing aspect of it. And then I did want to direct my, my first narrative short film, Final Decision, but I hadn't really studied the craft. I just knew what it was to direct actors and know what I wanted, but not really studied the craft. So this latest short film narrative, which I wrote as well, me 3.769 I'm so proud of it because in these last uh, I would say 18 months I have really been studying the craft of directing and growing in that direction so um, me 3.769 is actually a me too moment in a pubescent Latina's life and it's based on a true story and the characters in it some of the characters in it all of the characters in it are in Brownsville bread So it's sort of like what I feel is the introduction of what Brownsville Bread would be as a short film series. However, I shot it in Miami because one of the scenes takes place on a beach and I wanted to shoot it in March in order to get into the um, Sundance Lab Miami, which it did get into. So I'm so proud of that. Thank you. And the title, you know, is it's a Me Too moment. And what I researched to that is that there are 3.769 billion women in the world. And I wanted the title to represent all of the women and not, you know, not me too, but me, 3.769 billion of us. 
Mm. Nice. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> we were one. We were like, okay, we gotta. We asked like what the number was. Yeah. And then you said, and then we, no, wait, we keep it for the show. Keep it for the show because we want the real reaction. Because right now we were like, oh, oh. No, wow, <laughs> deep. Yeah, deep, yeah. deep. It is deep. Okay, so I kind of want to segue into more of like the advice section because it seems like you do like to give advice and move actors and other people forward. What so are, why am I single? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm not single. I'm not single. Stupid. <laughs> but you might be if you keep saying you are. I know, I know. Uh-oh. Yeah, his girl listens to the show. <laughs> what are some words of, of advice that you have for like either aspiring actors or writers or people that are sort of following your trailway? Think back to when you were first getting your start. What are some things that maybe you've learned or just some words that you can pay forward? Well, I think for actors, what I already said, which is represent yourself. Uh, go on those networks, have those accounts so that you can represent yourself and those emails are generated just like a, um, you know, it finds you if you're the right type for it. If, if they're looking for a Latina that speaks Spanish, that's between the age of 45 and 55, they're going to find me. Right. So and there are only so many of me. So represent yourself and really corner who you are because you can't play. A teenager, you can't play a you know a twenty year old if you're forty something. So only be available to that. Otherwise, it's going to be so cluttering to your psyche and your mailbox if you're trying to be all these people. Just know who you are and really be it, so that when people are looking for that, there's only one choice. So I say that to actors. Go on ActorsAccess.com. Go on CastingNetworks.com. CastingFrontier.com. If you get an audition for a self-tape, do it. Don't do it because I could send out 300 auditions. I'll get uh, 150 back. So half of those people didn't even do it. Mm -hmm. Now imagine when I'm casting for something that's really hard to find, like a young kid. And I'll put out, like, I only got 15 submissions on this latest short film. It's going to be a great short film, but it has to do with a, a pubescent child and, and some sort of gender confusion, and no one wants to touch it. So I only got, like, 14 or 15 submissions on that and only about eight self-tapes. So look what you, you know, you're one in eight now, and you could be starring in a, in a film by a Sundance director. So, yeah, represent my, yourself. My question is, how about the advice for an independent producer? Because I know that, you know, as a producer, it is more uh, time consuming. As an actor, you can come in, you have pre-production, you have production, and then you're out. What about independent producer from your experience in this day and age right now? And, and to create the steps to be successful as yes. a big time okay. producer. Oh, ask me about big time when I am big time. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell a great you, track record. So I'll, I'll tell you what me. I do, and, and I would say the same advice for the actors, right? You get into a community that does this. So if you're an actor and you're in an acting class, these people are all doing it. If, if you want to be a producer, I remember I took a, 
an intensive at the Labyrinth Theater that was all about production. And we had to create a show within, I think they gave us like seven days. We had to have an audience, book a space, create the show, all of these things. And, and being a part of a class like that, if you're in school, great. I mean, if you're at NYU Film School, of course, everybody there is doing that. And you can team up with people. A lot of the produce, the directors and other producers that I work with, their entire teams are based on the people that they went to school with. So it's all about surrounding yourself with the right people. And I'm not talking about the successful people, but the people who are going to work super hard to finish something that you can all be proud of. And it might suck. It might be terrible, but you will have finished it and then learned from that experience. Mm -hmm. So definitely be a part of your crowd. And if you have to look what I did with Brownsville Bread, I created a writing class based on my actors group. And that's what came of it. So that, is that something you encourage actors to to you know start writing roles for themselves in a way, or or to or do you feel like you know if you're a writer you know you can't really like you know you're not gonna just tell every actor to just be like hey write something yourself you know because some people just write something yourself and you want to see a role that you want to play write it yourself but I don't do you encourage that or are you more just like I, I think people who are writers just know and they just start writing. You know, they don't need to be nudged. You know, I get told all the time, what lane are you in? Asked, like, what lane are you in? You do all of this, you do all of that. So I'm not the person to stay, stay in your lane. I actually hate when people say to me, you know, if you if you want to be a part of my writer's program, I get it. They want They want to have that, you know, what they get back at the end of it. They want to know that their return of investment is going to be totally for the writer and that you're going to have a, a writing job in a, in a room, but um, in a writer's room. But I would say if you're frustrated at what's being made available to you and you think you can do better or just want to play with it, go do it. There's nothing stopping you. You shouldn't let anyone else say no if that's what you want to do. But there are other actors that have no interest in it. No. They only want... So do that, whatever you want. But, you know, in terms of inspiring people to do something else, just follow what you think is right. And, and it'll always be right. And you'll learn from it and read a lot. Because you, you may not be able to afford film school or maybe you're too busy in your work life to like start a school program or maybe like me, you never finished college. So you can't go to a master's program when you already have all, you know, you don't even have a, a bachelor's degree. So I would say, yeah, read so much. I, I almost got into... Last year, I almost got into the AFI Directors Women's Workshop. They take like eight women a year, seven or eight women. I'm pretty sure it's eight women a year. And I made it down to the last 15. Wow. And a month later, they, they, they actually say to you, in one month, we will give you feedback if you want. I'm mm. like, of course I want that. Mm. And so they gave me feedback. And then I just asked them, like, what is the best book to read on, and they gave me the the actual reading list for the program. Dope. Yeah, nice. so I have been reading every single book, and it's really helped me to understand how a camera informs the the writing and the acting as much as anything else. So really learning how to be a director. That's impressive. All right, one final question that I do often ask our guests. Okay. If you had a magic wand. <laughs> Yep. Oh Where would Elaine Del Valle be 
in 10 years from now? Oh, wow. Um, wow. I'm already where I love where I am. So um, definitely with my husband, my family, my dog, as long as none of that changes. <laughs> um, what kind of dog do you have? A Caton d'Atelier. What? Very fancy. Is that, is I that, don't know. I don't even, is that like from... Barbara Streisand has those dogs. Oh, they don't okay. shed. They're hyperallergenic. <laughs> they, they have no known diseases. That's why I got the dog. Do they the speak dog. French too? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but they're really cute. They look like little Muppets. Oh, cute. Um, so... As long as all that stays the same, um, I would just like to be continuing to what I call run my own studio every day. Um, and that would have divisions of casting and producing. And, and I would love to be offered the opportunity to direct other people's writing and direct everywhere. That, that would really be the magic wand for me would be directing because really that's, what, that's where it's all at. Mm. for me I mean I produce a lot and after a while you're like what I'm blood sweat and tears here for somebody else mm. and I can I have those stories too and it's time that I tell my own stories in the way that I want to tell them and and as a director you really are the captain of that ship and you, you make everybody feel good. I mean, I'm, I try to make everybody feel good. Hey, you know, what can we do? I work with children really well directing them. I love great actors. I just make straight offers. When I'm doing something, I'm like, you know what? I know the person. And I just like to make a straight offer if I can. If I haven't really seen them so much, then I'll say, I think you're right. Can you do a self-tape for me? So, yeah, That's directing. Awesome. Directing in 10 years. I, I like mo a lot of that answer. I feel like I was watching a one-woman show right now. If, you're, <laughs> just like, if I could do it, I'm like, yo, because she has that voice. You have that voice. That. Well, we're excited to see what the next 10 years, you know, comes of Elaine Del Valle Productions. And we certainly support your career. Can't wait to see what's next. Thank you for coming on the Latinos Allow podcast. Thank you. All right, all right, all right. That was episode 33, 33 in the libros. Patrick Ewing. In Man. the books. Oh. Yeah, so it's the summer, and we here at LOL hope you're enjoying it. And we hope that our podcast is giving you a little extra laughter while you're on the beach, driving to your destination with your family, or just chilling at home, cleaning in the A.C. Yeah. Jamie, yeah, you were yeah. going to say something? No, or, you know, how the city kids do it, the fire hydrants. Yeah. Uh, yes. You're in the fire hydrant water. <laughs> Think of us. Yeah. And make sure you keep those reviews coming. Let us know if you like what you heard. Please hit us up on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Hit us up on Instagram at We Are Latinos Out Loud, as well as on Facebook. And on Twitter, we are at Loca Ibago. On that note, we out. Yeah. Oye, mijo, ¿qué show es ese que están escuchando? ¡Tremenda vaina! Hola amigos y bienvenidos a Tremenda Vaina, el show donde escuchas cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro, solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? Nos puedes encontrar en tu plataforma favorita. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Suscríbete hoy. Y esto es Tremenda Vaina. Tremenda Vaina. 
There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more.